Thanks, as always, for listening to Fluff and Crunch. This is the first episode that we have recorded in 2023, and in it, we offer some thoughts and commentary, albeit we think at least all very self-disciplined and reasoned, on the brewing OGL wars. So we're doing this now because we anticipate that as more uh, evidence comes out, hopefully here in the next few weeks, outside of just leaks and a lot of conjecture, we'll have something more firm to react to. But today we wanted to discuss the state of the, as I said, the brewing OGL wars, rebellions, whatever you want, the great walkaway, who knows what it's going to be. That's what we do in today's episode. Uh, We'd love for you to join the conversation, the discussion on our Discord. There'll be a link in the show notes to join. Thanks for listening to Fluff and Crunch, where we talk about the connection and sometimes disconnect between system, setting, and story in tabletop RPGs. Hello, Chris. Welcome to the new year. Hi, Jeremy. Happy New Year. Thank you. How was your break or vacation or holiday or whatever you call it? Uh, yeah, I had, I had a good two weeks off. Well, I thought I was ill for like a week of it. Annie, Annie passed me back her, her germs, which were much worse this time. So for literally, for, it was Christmas Eve. I got new Christmas Day. I was pretty poorly. And then for the first three days after that, when I was at my parents, I could barely talk. That's um, a bummer. And I was whacked up on lots of like drugs and taking lots of throat things. And, um, so that wasn't ideal. Oh, um, and I've still got the remnants of it now, and that's been like two weeks ago. So but apart from that, yeah, I had, a, I had a nice time with friends and family. How about you? Good. Same. Very calm, minus the illness. On New Year's Eve, got together with some, some other friends of mine and played a, a one-shot of Hunter the Vigil and uh, remembered a lot of the things that I really like about White Wolf's D10-based system and a few things that I don't. Uh, it is still a system wherein you are really at the end of the day at the mercy of the dice. And I was having an exceptionally bad night for rolls. My character was, was basically incompetent. Um, but it was fun. We haven't really, we've, we've done an episode, we did an episode on vampire, didn't we? Yeah, we've talked about that. We've not really done an episode about sort of storyteller in general. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. But yeah, so we we did uh, we did that on New Year's Eve, and then this last Saturday, I got together with my group, and we finished off. Finally, we hadn't actually played Star Trek Adventures since um, November, and we uh, we finished that, and decided that we are going to switch to a five E based. I know, I know. Glad you're sitting. <laughs> grab your heart. Uh, a five E based campaign book setting that I backed through Kickstarter that one of my players is going to run because I've played in one game where she was GM and she did a really good job and the other folks in the party are, or the group are like, yeah, she's a terrific GM. So I loaned her the book when I got it and she is going to uh, to run it. So we're going to do a session zero character generation next week and we're going to play that for you know some period of time. What about your gaming? Yeah, so because we had met and we retroactively went back because we'd had this the conversation we went, I'd realized during that conversation that we decided which six characters we were going to play as and therefore which settings we were going to use without actually checking were the people running those settings going to be happy. And so I literally sat down with Scott and Brian, I think this might be just before the holiday, and said like, 
I might mean, I think it was the week between last time. It was since I recorded, uh, since we last recorded. And I said to him, well, Brian, do you really want to run this, whatever set? And he was going to have to run based on the character. And he was like, well, I don't mind, but I'm not really bothered. Like, Scott, do you want to run this Norse setting that you're going to have to run? And he was like, well, no, not really, to be honest. We're like, right, let's keep the characters for the moment. So we, uh, let's, what kind of settings do we want to run? And we just kind of brainstormed. And I was like, well, I really want to run like classic dungeons, just like, because... That's what I want to run. I want to just be able to like get some squared paper and, you know, draw out a dungeon. As it was, I found a, a website that let me do it. But that's what I had. I literally just drew rooms and put traps on it. Perfect. Um, and Scott was like, I really like the idea of like a, like a skyship, like characters on a skyship, like flying through things and having different encounters every you know week or something. And, and Brian came up with something else. And we, we kept the same six character ideas that we had. And we just, we moved them around. And then we actually managed to link all those together to an idea of like, all right, this, this evil empire, which we've just really, not very interestingly, just called the empire, because it was easy, uh, has invaded this particular kingdom. And like the king's dead and all these other people are dead. And so like one character is the prince of that kingdom and him and his bodyguard have escaped and they're in my campaign. And two other characters have grabbed a skyship and just flown off to safety. And that's Scott's campaign. Um, and two of the other characters, I guess we're going to find out next week because Brian, we're hoping we're going to be gladiators, but Brian keeps dropping hints that we're going to either be slaves or or worse. Because I think both our characters are female, so we're both a bit... Oh, no, my character's female. I'm a bit like, uh, where is he going <laughs> But aren't gladiators kind of a form of I mean, slave yes, anyway? Yes, they are. But I'm worried that we're going to go less gladiator slave and more like sex slaves. <laughs> I was just like, oh, no, please no. Check, yeah. please. I was like, my... Uh, no, thank you. My, my, I'm gonna make don't want those I'm going to make sure my half-orc barbarian book. woman has like a ridiculously high strength score so no one can mess with her. Um, but yes, yeah, so we ran, I, I, we sorted the two characters and I made a dungeon and we ran a, a good session and it had some classic properly classic you know i had i had bugbears in it and uh i found jackal wares which i found in the book oh right on uh, did you have a gelatinous i did no i'm gonna, I'm gonna i was saving the cubes and the uses for another one but i did have a like a three i then i had a, a, like a literally had a floor where there was three basic encounters against humanoids and then a floor where it was just some puzzles that had to solve to get to the next floor and the last floor you just walked into an arena with a bad guy was <laughs> well done you're now going to fight you know a succession of things uh, and that's why I think they thought... Did the floor look like a giant chessboard? Uh, no, I should have milked it out like a giant chess. That would have been good. Because um, that would have been cool. Just yeah, because. so they fought like uh, some cockatrices and ankeg, which I couldn't remember what that was. I think I got that. I think I got that. Now, you I know what? Mixed up in the my first head. time I ever played D&D with my brothers, with my little dwarven fighter, that I was inspired by the dwarf on the cover of Terry Brooks' Sword of Shannara book. Totally. The first monster I fought was on NK. I think I totally got mixed up in my head and thought, like, I'd seen the now. It's like, yeah, I'm going to fight with that. And thought it was like an Umber Hulk. And then when I looked at the page, I was like, no, no, well, that's, that's cool. We'll use that thing. Um, and then had them after three encounters be told, well done, you succeeded. Your award is in the fourth room. And then all the bad guys left. Um, and in the fourth room was a chest. And of course, the chest was a mimic. And I realized of in all it my time playing d and I've never, ever used a mimic, ever. So they weren't expecting it. They walked up, I opened the chest, ah, it bites you. Uh, and so I was super happy and have basically said that, you know, expect that to come back because mimics can be anything. <laughs> so now I, so then Good. at the end of the thing where they went into where these artifacts have been sent to get, which there was some animated armor, but then of course there was a rug and there was like five chests and they're like, I don't want, none of it. They were like, I don't want to touch anything. <laughs> 
Well, what you got to do, make everything mundane and then have a trapper fall down on them from the ceiling. So, yeah. So I need to work out. You need a trapper or a cloaker. So, but yeah, the cool thing is now is I now have time to plan. I don't have to plan my next one for this week. Brian is sorting this week. Scott said he'll be there. So, so it might be three more weeks before I get to do another one, which is great. So it gives me three weeks to plan my next dungeon right. um, rather than a week. So, uh, so yes, yeah, it's that we've made a good start. Well, good deal. Good deal. So now I mentioned 5e and now you're playing 5e yep. and I'm about to. So now what we can do is wade into the, uh, the turbulent waters of social media fired discussion in scare quotes over the OGL. Yes. Sometime in December, there started being rumblings across like particularly content creators, which I guess we care about, but you know, yeah. we, we talk about it. We don't use it. So I guess it wouldn't affect us. People start getting worried about what the OGL, the, there was going to be a change to the OGL for what they call in one D&D, which of course we still don't know. Is that a 5.5 right. or is it a sixth edition? doesn't matter. Um, you know, we've heard bits and pieces of what they're going for. This phrase that of course we've heard, which has worried everyone that, I think it's Hasbro has said that D&D is under-monetized, which, right, now we can come back to that. Um, and people start getting worried. And, they, and, and Wizard of the Coast did release an article on D&D Beyond about the OGLs and SRDs and stuff, where they kind of said, look, this is what we're going for. Um, and this is some things we're going to... And there were some big things in there, but nothing that anyone was too upset about. And then at some point in the last week, this supposed 1.1A draft version of the OGL has leaked and people are not happy about it. And so then of course we have. That's an that's a mild way. That that is a, I think that's a properly British <laughs> understated way to say there is a uh, a poop yes. storm going on in in some places online. And now I don't say that to mock. I don't say that to mock at all. But I I think that our listeners are an exceptionally reasonable lot of people. If I'm going to take the interactions I've had with Good some point. of our listeners yeah. on our Discord and on social media, I'm going to take our lot. I, I would like to think that our regular listeners are a, a reasonable lot of people. And uh, so, yeah, I don't, I don't say that to mock or anything like that, but I mean, let's face it, there have been highly charged responses. Uh, I, I, and I think social media is, you know, future historians will look back if there's anything left of civilization. Um, if it's not like Thundar the Barbarian or some crap like that, future historians will look back and I think that they will be shocked and disturbed, I hope, at least, by how much, how upset they get on social media when admitting they don't know what's going on. You know, I don't know what, I don't know the facts, but, yeah. and then, you know, insert flip out here or insert like long list of accusations and analyses based on an admission of no knowledge of the facts. So, yeah, I mean, it certainly was, take it was that a part of me that I didn't want to talk about this yet because I wanted the full OGL to come out, but then you kind of, well, we can talk about it now what we do know and then we can talk about it again. I was like, that's fair. Yeah. And, in, and, and here's something that we do know that... When the, when the original OGL, because we've been through two versions of it, yes. in a way. We've been through the OGL and then the S, what was it, SGL or GSL? It was a um, game license is what I always call it. Was it was game yeah. system what, license. So we've been through... Whatever they had for fourth edition. The gaming world has been through two versions, eras, whatever you want to call it, of really like, when, I remember when it was released, 
and I mean, I'm no lawyer, but I'm, I'm, you know, I'd like to think I'm smarter than the average bear. Um, and, but I remember when the OGL was released with 3.0 and it inaugurated the D20 era where there was just this explosion. I mean, just this massive, like this rapid viral expansion of worlds and supplements and adventures and books and companies and people making their livelihoods not many but i mean some making their livelihoods or at least supplementing them off of the creation of supplemental goods that went along with someone else's intellectual property and i guess that i remember thinking like wow that's that's it's a little crazy but like crazy like a fox there were certain books that you would realistically you'd need to buy the yeah. core books which everyone buys the most of anyway but then beyond that it, it seemed to me that it would depending on what people produced it seemed originally i mean 20 years ago that it would light a fire under creators who i think watsi probably guessed or hoped at the time would would continually drive business back to or at least through them i think it did in some extent because three third edition and yeah. 3.5 was massive of course what yeah. you had then is people taking that the fact that it was a massive system and doing other stuff so you know mutants and mastermind comes out of that um you know mutant mastermind arguably wouldn't exist without without the ogl no spycraft yeah, example um and in those cases that is not people being driven to D and and wizards at all that is people just going and doing something else with an idea and some of the systems from somewhere else so then when we came to fourth edition i think they realized that I went right well, we're gonna we're going to clamp down on this a bit more. We're going to get this game, which as far as to my knowledge, very few people use because I don't know a lot about, but I know it was restrictive enough that people went, Ugh. Yeah. Uh, and well, then, you know, of course, also fourth edition led to the birth of, of Pathfinder because Hazo went, yeah. well, no one wants this. People, what they want is more third 3.5 editions. They essentially created, like people jokingly say, you know, D&D 3.75, which was Pathfinder first edition. Yeah. And that was all based with the OGL. And then, of course, now we have Pathfinder 2nd, which is still, even though it's quite a leap now, mm -hmm. kind of like Mutant Mastermind 3rd Edition has very, very little do, to do at all with 3.5, uh, with 3, yeah, 3.5, almost nothing. It's, it's, it's essentially its own system now. You can see the yes. foundation and you can see the, um, there are certain, call them like, like the spirit yeah. of the system and the, of the mechanics you can see that but you're right the that which it has evolved into yeah. is quite different i mean pathfinder second edition by virtue of being a fantasy game it and, and with the classes and the level i mean it, it's still i think it bears an easier resemblance it's easier to see dnd yeah. in it but you're right it it still has evolved in a it's taken that core and it's evolved in a, in a different in a different direction i i think it's it was interesting, actually. I, I don't know. I wonder, rather. I have no idea, obviously. And I'll say it. I have no idea. And here's what I'll do. I won't base conclusions on the fact that I have no idea. <laughs> That's where I'll, I'll make the difference. Uh, but I, I have no idea if the folks in Watsi way back 20 years ago thought, by doing this, we are going to create competitors, like yeah. significant competitors to us. I, I, I can't help but think... I would be surprised if that conversation was had realistically and taken seriously and they were like, yeah, well, that's okay. They can compete. They can create competitors because I mean, like you just mentioned with 4E, when 4E came out, Pathfinder then came out and then Pathfinder quickly yeah, eclipsed 4E sales with, you know, that's, that's real economic. That's like real business um, consequences. But 
I, I wonder if they thought with the original OGL that it would it would drive creation of adventures and supplements like the dressing, but not the yeah, proteins. I, I assume, like you said, the idea would have been for the people to do extra work beyond. I mean, the funny thing was, of course, they were doing so much work for 3E and 3.5. That was part of the thing that killed the system. There was too much bloat. And then they did the same with fourth anyway. Yeah. But then all these other people created more stuff for, for those additions. Yeah, it probably did. It did return people back on. That's probably what they wanted. But then, like you said, people have gone another way with it. Now, after 4E, then actually doing the opposite, creating a direct competitor and no one really, you know, third party creators weren't working on 4E. They went and they disappeared and worked on other stuff for a while. Yeah. And there then, really weren't, you're right. There really wasn't that much. Yeah. Like the, the, I remember a couple of things that I saw during the 4E era. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Someone's spin on a setting, but there really wasn't that much. And for fifth, fifth edition did a bunch of things. Firstly, the fifth edition system was much more like we'd expected. You know, four, fourth edition really was like a combat simulator that felt like a, an MMO. Right. I mean, at the time it was like, you know, that was the rage. And I still think, actually, go back and look at it. I actually think that system was in some ways ahead of its time and a very good system. But I don't think it was D&D. And I think that's the problem. I actually think there's some really clever elements to that system. But it wasn't what people wanted from D&D. It wasn't what everyone no. wanted. Fifth edition was much more what people wanted. So that was good. And it was simplified. It wasn't as complicated as third edition. Um, but, you, you know, people could add on to it. And they went back to the OGL, which means loads of people jumped on it. Um, and then, of course, they created the the DMs Guild, which meant people like me could like, oh, well, I don't have to worry about what the OGL says and how licensing right, works. Right, because that's, that's a separate, that's a separate, um, not licensing, but that's a separate publishing agreement. It, it functions differently. Yeah. I mean, essentially, you know, if you put stuff on DMs Guild, then DriveThru takes a cut and, D and, and, and Wizards take up. But I don't know what those cuts are and I don't really care. I just, I write something. I follow a few guidelines. I slap it on DMs Guild. I make a tiny little bit of money. I feel good that someone bought stuff that I wrote. Um, and I didn't have to worry about, you know, doing a Kickstarter or anything really complicated or releasing stuff on DriveThru myself and having right. to, you know, worry about have I done it the right way? And because, you know, the one, I think one time I did put something on DMs Guild and they got back to me and said, well, no, you can't have this on your cover. Great. I'll, I'll take it off. Sorry. Um, you know, so DMs Guild was really clever. But the, DMs Guild was the thing that started driving, I think, fifth edition because suddenly all these people were working for it. And then the bigger companies, so people like, you know, Cobalt Press and stuff would, would go out and start doing big books. From, from a consumer standpoint, in other words, my, from my perspective, if I were a D&D fan, uh, which when 5e came out, I... I, I gave it a, a shake and I said, all right, I, and I, I played it for a period of time. But I think also from like what I know of business practices and, and whatnot, I think not a whole lot, but some, I think Watsi's publishing approach to 5e as opposed to 3x and 4e is a lot smarter. Like instead of just pumping out book after freaking book after book, in the and, yeah. and, and like thin slicing, you know, they're they're putting out these big campaign books, and then you know they're putting out all these stupid extra dice and and do, you know dopey things like campaign specific screens and this stuff. I don't find any any utility in, but it seems to me that they are instead of just trying no. to flood the zone with a bunch of stuff that ends up creating additional skews, but uh, more overhead and more staff time for things that become marginally less profitable. They're going for these big chunks, like a big campaign book. Okay, I can, I can live with that. Yeah. I have not seen as much 
there hasn't been out i mean dm's guild i think cut a chunk out of what you would potentially see or what we saw during the d20 era all these other books and adventures and things like that because now there's this other there's this other like world in which you can publish those things but books being published under the OGL we still see a lot of things I mean I, I see a lot of like big monster books and I see yeah. campaigns and I see rules camp like rules um rules supplements like uh what is it EN publishing put out that level up which is like a it's yeah. a freaking inch you could you could club someone to death with the hardback I was thinking that these, that's what these big publishers are doing like you said like Cobalt Press have released a couple of really massive yeah. books and then like, you know, Weiss and Hickman have done not another Dragonlance thing because they've just given that back. I, I presume they don't know the rights yeah. anymore. But then they've gone and done, I, I've backed something. Uh, I can't remember what it's called. But, you know, they they did a campaign, which I've backed. So it's a new world. So, you know, another world with a few extra things is always interesting. Yeah. And then a campaign again. That, you know, they, these are relatively big Kickstarters, it, which have made these people, oh, well, I don't know. Let's assume it's made these people reasonable money because otherwise, why would they bother doing it? The Kickstarters, how's this? The Kickstarters have, some of these Kickstarters have made a lot of money. Yeah. How much profit that has resulted in for the creators, we have no idea. No, but now, it seems to me, based on the comparison of 5e OGL offerings production versus D20, it seems to me that the, the quality of 5e OGL overall, I think, is higher. For for me at least, looking at like you know that that level up book that uh, which I don't have that En Publishing put out. I mean it's it's essentially a a whole new set of it's a whole new series of layers of rules to to add more options into D and D to make it you know to add more options. That's it. I mean, but it's it, but that's what it is. And it looks to me, I mean, I, I downloaded some of the playtest, um, the pre-publishing materials for it. And if I were into D&D, I would probably buy it because it adds a lot of things that to me, I think, like I like 5e for what it is, but it lacks things that I wish it had. And I think Level Up might put some of those things in. So it, it looks to me like the, the, the quality is, is there, um, but, um, you know, as, as opposed to D20, because there really was a lot of kind of crap. Like people would just put out stuff and whether it mechanically made sense, whether it was any, I mean, people just put out stuff and, and it, you know, I guess enough people bought it. Maybe. I, I think to me that if the fact that DMs Guild exists, I mean that people who are like sort of, you know, let's say small fry, not insultingly, just like me, people who are going to do no, their no, own thing just, can now just do that on DMs Guild. They didn't have to have the hassle yeah. or anything else. And so, you know, some of the stuff on DMs Guild, probably is terrible i mean i the stuff i've written i went you know it's not amazing because i don't have an art but art's one of the things that really drives i don't have yeah. an art budget every art i've got is either was either sort of freebie creative common stuff or art i did myself in in, in daz that's that's my i wasn't i never got the money to go and pay for an artist to do things because i'm going to make like you know ten dollars over five years on a piece of work that I yeah um yeah but that that meant that you know those kind no, of and, and i don't think small fry it. is i don't think that's that's um, that that's not a pejorative it's just you know it's i mean like someone like me you know here i am i am i'm you know i've done some editing and play test whatever you want to call it work for for modifius and now i'm submitting i'm writing and i'm going to submit an adventure to them you know i'll make some spending money for a vacation yeah. 
That's what I'll make off of it. But I'm more interested in the satisfaction of contributing to the hobby and maybe contributing something that someone else will enjoy. That's that's what animates me in this. This is not putting food on my table. Um, there are, however, maybe we can segue yeah. to the, the, the poop storm. Uh, there, there are people out there who this is more, this is a, a bigger chunk of their livelihood or it is their livelihood. Uh, or it isn't just an independent creator. It is some person who's gotten together with some other people and they formed a company and they're trying to make a go at it. And so they've been operating under these, this OGL, the original one, which says that it's irrevocable. However, there's some, there are some caveats and some you know, <laughs> asterisk-laden language attendant to that. Uh, and now there are these leaks about this new OGL and what it might do or ask of, force people to do or ask of them or maybe prevent from well, let's go done. over the bit that we do know for sure. Because like yes, I said, let's the, go over the bit, the, because that's a very small yeah, bit. We want to be clear here that at Fluff and Crunch, we try to be honest with the, ourselves the bit as we, much as we, possible. That we know, and the only reason we know this is because D&D <laughs> uh, &D Beyond released this little article um, talking about like what what will be different in one D and D and so again they said they're doing an SRD get back again this whole thing we're designing one D and D with fifth edition backwards compatibility. Well, I seem to remember them saying that about fifth edition, and really it just meant you can take any old D and D stuff and play it in five E and it, you know. So yeah, the the how backwards compatible is defined is yeah that's not that I mean it's not as um it's not as straightforward as something like software yes, exactly. So, so who knows you know, can, what that can actually you just means? Take things with making no changes, or are they saying you can go, you know, just like they did last time? Five E will work such that you can take any old version of D and D, and it will just work. And it's like, well, it wasn't that straightforward. But, you know, it, it wasn't hard, but it wasn't it, it wasn't plug and right. play. Um, but they are saying there will be an SID. So, second thing, change the S OGL. Yes, there'll be a new version of OGL. Okay, well, we still know that already. And then the big change we got, this, I mean, the one isn't really relevant to this money thing, but I'll, I'll go over it because I thought it was relevant. We're trying to make sure that OGL 1.1 is clear about what it covers and what it doesn't. And this, I kind of never really crossed my mind some of this. It says, I, I'm guessing OGL 1 really didn't say what you could and couldn't make. What they're trying to make sure is that OGL 1.1 is only for tabletop role-playing games. It literally says, only ever permitted as printed media or static electronic files. In other words, printed books or yep. PDFs or EPUBs. That's it. And there's other yep. types of content like videos and video games. And then I'm assuming also things like miniatures um, and other stuff. And everybody crossed my mind that, yeah, people can essentially use the OGL to go and make computer games based. As supposedly yep. one of the Star Wars games, Knights of the Old Republic, because it was based on D20 Star Wars, uses the OGL. Really? Yes. Um, and it's what he thought, oh, yeah, I never thought of that. Um, so obviously people have gone and made stuff. Like you said, you know, we can go and buy uh D, D released dice and game screens and so on for fifth edition but there's very little to stop someone else doing that themselves and obviously that is not the intention of the ogl the ogl is meant to be if you want to write some role-playing game content yeah. then here you go but you know i guess people can go and do pretty much anything you know models and all sorts of other stuff using the ogl and i guess that's not what it was intended um now obviously for some people that is going to totally kill off their livelihood which and i think there's a there's a point here that that watsi is is trying to make is that technology things have yes. changed things have changed in 20 years uh vtt's did not yeah. exist 20 years ago and so there are things that they need to adjust okay 
I, I, not taking a side here, no, I, but I, I see where they're, I can see exactly, where they're coming I can totally from. see why. If, if you work making D&D miniatures on some, you know, 3D printing website, and you're going to be told you can't do that anymore, obviously you will be gutted. You could be, you know, losing your job. Correct. Which is bad. But at the same time, if the, you know, the OGL, it, it wasn't intended for that, really what you should be doing is paying for a license to do that. There's always room to to negotiate a, a a license. Like you're trying to do something, and you you sit outside the OGL, you just negotiate a licensing agreement with Watsi for use yeah. of their stuff. I mean, at the moment, you know, D and D do not make Wizards of the Coast do not make their own miniatures. Wizkids do it for right because they have a license. And likewise, it says it in here. You know, the top the top um, virtual tabletop platforms already have agreements yep. with Wizards of the Coast. So, you know, presumably they're talking about, you know, um, Roll20 and whatever the, I don't use them, whatever the other ones are. Um, now, we all know that what they're going, one of the things we do know about 1D&D is they're really going to try and push their own virtual tabletop. And we know then they're going to try and sell people, you know, custom figures and the ability to change what your character looks like. And there's going to be all this stuff because they're trying to make money. Yeah. Um, are they going to stop people using Roll20? Don't know. According to this, no, they're not at the moment. But, you know, we'll have to wait and see. Now, the second big thing is, and this is the big thing that's different, says we're, up, we're updating the OGL to offer different terms to creators who choose to make free share or like content, blah, blah. So we, and we have these different stages. So essentially, it kind of says, you know, for the vast majority of people, it won't change. You, up, you accept the license terms. You, you have to tell them what you're selling, which at the moment, I guess you don't. Um, and, Correct. and you just, you make the stuff. But we've got this whole new thing of, if you make more than, it says more than 50,000, and then it says more than 70. So I got the royalty, I think it's 70. Well, no, you have, from what I understand, what it says is you have to accept the license terms. You must then report OGL-related yeah, revenue annually if you make more than 50K, $50,000 a year. And then if you make above 750,000, you get, and it's, it's funny, actually, because people are calling it a tax. It's not a tax. Government's tax. Watsi's not a government. It's a fee. Yeah, it's a licensing fee. Watsi will charge a fee on the revenue, on the income, rather the revenue made above 750000 So what they're saying is that like, if you make 750000 and one, you get it. There is a fee charged on the $1, not the, the first $750,000 is not answerable to a fee above $750,000 is um and and the sticky point with that though is that it's not profit it's revenue so it doesn't take into account these now it says for the fewer than 20 creators worldwide making more than seven hundred fifty thousand dollars income in a year we will add a royalty starting in 2024 so even after the computer com Creators making significant money selling D and D supplements and games. No royalties will be due for 2023, and all revenue below seven hundred fifty thousand dollars in future years will be royalty free. But they're they're the way that they've got this written. It it implies, I think, very powerfully that it is on total revenue, not profits. And no, no, yeah. who? I mean, I can't imagine the margins are that fat. It's not like this is the jewelry industry. So I mean, potentially, I, I people was... could make people could these producers, these twenty creators, could by virtue of paying the royalty, go in the red and lose money on a on a profitable product because they're not being they're not paying the royalty on the 
They're paying the royalty on yeah. revenue, not profit. That's a sticking I, I guess, point. I, I don't see that happening to me because I've seen a similar thing happen for board games coming into the UK from America. So for a long time, we didn't pay what we call VAT, what you call sales tax, on board games coming into the UK. It just didn't happen. Oh, for the whole of Europe, in fact. Um, so like CMON who do like zombie side, these massive big, you know, $1 million Kickstarter type things. We never paid sales tax on that. They, they said, this is what the product's going to cost. And we paid shipping. And then we got the product and it was, yeah. And then a couple of years ago, I think it came from the EU. And then we've still been caught on it, even though we've left the EU. Basically said, well, wait a minute. No one's paying tax on these products. And then so what these stock companies started doing is they'd say, well, this is the product. This is how much it is. And then... And the reason it got, and really a lot of people got knocked, is that one particular product, and it was one that I had back, they didn't say the sales tax, because they kept saying, no, it's, it's customs friendly, customs friendly. And we got hit with sales tax after we had backed it. So we backed something. The delay then happened to it releasing. And when it came to them asking them for like, you know, the shipping and how much everything you wanted, they then said, uh, well, this is how much your sales tax is. And it was like, well, wait a minute. And literally some of these products were, you know, I might have backed something for a hundred dollars and then I ended up paying, you know, adding something else on. And I had products where maybe I spent $150 on the product and then my shipping was going to be another $75 and my tax was another $50 on top of that. And the whole product ends up being, you know, $300. And that was completely ridiculous. And to the extent that a lot of people started stepping away from these people, well, I, I can't afford to pay these taxes. Yeah. These are insane. And the, the cost of the products has gone up as well. Sure. Um, well, especially in the last couple of years, just because of things. Yes. And in some companies, they just said, well, we're not going to do that. We're going to add these costs on up front. So the cost of Kickstarters in general has massively yeah. gone up. And I suspect that's what would happen with this. If you know you are going to hit it, that you get hit in the back end by a royalty license fee, whatever we want to call it, from Wizard of the Coast, then... You, you can add some money onto it. You just, you slap an extra, okay, your product's going to cost more, so it's going to sell less. That's simple economics. Um, and you are going to earn less, but at the end of the day, and I am kind of picking a side here, you are trying to make money off someone else's system. If, if you want to release a game on the Xbox or PlayStation or Nintendo, yeah. you, you pay them a cut because you're trying to take advantage of their big, were easy it not to use for, platform. Were it not for the effort and the time and the money, the money that they put into and continue to put into supporting that, that machine and its availability, you, have, you can't make your game. Yeah. You can't, you can't make any, any profits you would make off of that game. You would never make were it not for the fact that Microsoft made Xbox and blah, 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 yeah. blah, blah. I, I, yeah, I, I see where that, you're coming from. Same, same on mobile. If you want to release a game on Android or on Apple, on iPhone, yeah. you have to pay them to that, for that game to be on that platform. Now, if you want to make a game and have no one take a card order, you have to release on PC. Now, realistically, then you have to put it on Steam and then Valve take a card or you have to put it on whatever the Epic's people. But, you know, you can release games on the PC and no one will take a cut. Right. But you have to then jump through those hoops and only do it on PC and you're limiting yourself to a smaller market. Now, by the same thing, no one's forcing anyone to release games using the OGL. There are plenty right. of other systems out there. Um, well, but even then, this I, is where, like, I remember teaching economics, the idea of complementary goods and services. You know, when there is, you know, for example, um, you have plenty of companies that make money off of selling various kinds of Bluetooth earbuds, headphones, yada, 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 that are meant to go with mobile devices. 
without Apple or Google or whoever else making said mobile device, a big chunk of that complementary goods market goes away because nobody buys earbuds by themselves. They buy them to use them with another device. And I would guess most often with one of these mobile devices that another company is making. Now, I have no idea if, you know, whatever Jim Bob's or Feng Shui's, you know, whatever, because it's all coming from China. I, I have no idea if they're paying a royal. I, I doubt it because, I mean, Bluetooth is this isn't, you know, is this is not a standard that Apple owns. I have no idea. But you're right. I mean, you, you, you are right. And this is a bit of a it's a bit of a bitter pill. And I find this interesting. I find it interesting that uh, in in one way, it seems to me that, you know, if if Watsi and Hasbro are telling their shareholders or, you know, the, the Hasbro is telling its shareholders that D&D is under monetized, which is something we famously heard about a month ago from a shareholders meeting. It's under monetized. We also know that the people who spend the most money in a gaming group are the GMs. So you've got That's players who, by comparison, are spending very little money. And I get it. A company is there. I mean, Henry Ford. Henry Ford said, a company that just exists to make money is a crappy company. And I, I paraphrase. And unfortunately, it seems to me there are a lot of companies out there who at the end of it, that's all they care about. Yeah. It's, it's not the idea of like, we want to put out a great product or a great service that people will utilize. And in the doing of that, we will make a profit off of that. It's like, no, we just want to make, we just want to make money. So maybe just maybe... And I'm not one of these people who's like, ooh, corporations are evil. Immediately, you know, corporations are always evil. Like, all they exist to do is pollute the earth and, like, you know, destroy Thumbelina's freaking glade. I don't, I don't buy that, okay? I don't buy that. Um, but <laughs> but is, it, is it possible that, you know, Watsi is, is, mo is animated at this point by a desire to find ways to make more money, which means they're going to create things and run things in a way that is optimized from their perspective to make them more money. Does that become their guiding principle instead of we really want to put out stuff that people want and will use? I love the fact, too, that Watsi is so enlightened. I won't use the W word. They are so enlightened. Okay, but they're producing so much, frankly, shit that is going to end up again, as I've said in previous episodes, in a landfill. Like, okay, <laughs> you environmental, okay, you environmentally enlightened people, how many extra sp campaign specific screens does tomorrow's landfills really need? How many campaign yeah. specific dice do they really need? The answer is none. But if you're driven by an animating spirit of we just want to make more money and we got to figure out a way to squeeze players more. It's going to change your behavior. Yeah. I mean, even just going off this, because there's, there's two other things we can yeah, talk yeah. about as to why people are like pitchfork. Freaking out. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, if some of it's this attitude that they're coming, they want our money. And because they want our money, that's wrong. Now, again, I, I'm probably more anti-corporation than you are, but even though I'm not going to begrudge a company that owns the IP and makes the game. Right. They have to keep their to lights make on. Money off them. Exactly. And at the end of the day, <laughs> if, pay benefits if, to people. You can look at this two ways. On the one hand, yes, you know, if they stopped making D and D tomorrow, we can carry on make, playing D and D forever because you, you can. Yeah. That's that's the beauty of role playing games. But on the other hand, people will eventually move on to other games, and it's nice to have this big, you know, 
role-playing games have moved on massively in the last 10 years because D&D has entered the mainstream. Truth. And they've done that through Critical Role and they've done it through Stranger Things. So ironically, they haven't done it through Wizards of the Coast. But at the same time, Wizards of the Coast have been there releasing reasonable products and making these links with people and saying yes to certain things. Now, if, you know, unfortunately, they are owned by a business and the business clearly is, want, is saying, we want more money. Yeah. But to then say, oh, my God, this business wants my money. I'm going to go and play another game where they don't want my money. Well, well okay, but are, are you, you know, if you, are you, are you really just, you know, hurting yourself there? Because if you like the game, play it. Yeah. It seems that there is this. So yeah. So from the stuff that we've been told officially, we're, you know, I guess we're on the kind of side. Well, yeah, you know, okay. It's not ideal. It would be nice if the status quo was made, but like, it's like, you know, it's like you said, think, Things change, and more the OGL was written so long ago that Correct. technology and everything else has changed, and people have used it in ways they weren't expecting to because those ways didn't exist. Correct. Um, and when people say, you know, critical role will have to stop, well, no, they won't. They're, they're playing five on that. Maybe they have to sort a licensing deal with that. I, I'm sure they can't afford. You know, I can't. You know, stuff like that. Essentially, the people who are going to hit be hit the most are the people who can probably afford to be hit the most, and the people who can't afford to be hit, as far as I can see, aren't being now. There's two exceptions to that. Um, there's two exceptions to this. And I was going to say, one of these is to do with who owns IP and another one is to do with, well, kind of why they're doing it. Now, there's a lot of people worried about this weird retroactive thing where they said the new OGL will overwrite the old OGL. And Correct. Think, okay, that sounds a bit dodgy. And then secondly, that because, well, because, and I'll come to the, uh, the other one later. Um, because of that, that means that essentially they can go back after Peso and like Pathfinder first and second and essentially say, yep. yeah, we're not giving you permission to use this and then gone. Yep. Now that is scary. Now, again, I'm going to preface this very much with a, if that is true. Big, yeah. Bold faced underlined, if that is true. But obviously if yeah, that I is agree. true, that's, that's terrible. I mean, if they could go after mutants and masterminds and Pathfinder and just say, we do not give you the license right. to make these games. We right. retroactively change OGL 1.0, which your game is based on, to 1.1, and we will revoke that permission. Your game can no longer exist. Ow. They just got rid of the main competitor to D&D. I mean, yep. actually, you know, we, we say that, but this is not under fourth edition. The vast majority right. of people still have no idea what Pathfinder is. No, like Pathfinder, no. notice, I think there's a, there's a generational bubble of gamers and Pathfinder 2 is nowhere near. Pathfinder 2 yeah. is like a match as opposed to a the bonfire of Pathfinder 1. And it, yeah. it's a bubble. And once 5e came out mm -hmm. and Pathfinder at that point was beginning to, to collapse under the same, you know, the 3.75 yeah. weight yeah. because of just the nature of the system and the nature of the publishing that, they, that they've done for it, all these ultimate bloat books. Well, yeah. 5e is taking over. Now, here's the other thing, though, that are, and this, again, we'll file this under the if it's true, okay? Because we have this official release, all right, which is more like an FAQ, not with excerpts, supposedly. It's not actually the document. But now we have this leak that has been partially confirmed by the folks at Kickstarter because they admitted that <laughs> they take a 20% 20, 20 if you do your, your, your fundraising on Kickstarter, 25%. Um, otherwise, so we have this leaked version of 1.1 alpha or whatever. Um, and one of the pieces that jumped out at me as like, oh my goodness, again, if it's true, is that Watsi has control over what you publish. So in other words, if it doesn't live up to their standards, and this is where like I, I know, now this may sound stunning, 
I know that Dungeons and Dragons, taken writ large as role-playing in general, is not real. I know that. I know it's not real. Uh, and so all the angst over, without getting political, people being upset about things in an entirely made-up world that they feel reflect or provide them with subjective commentary on things that are going on in the real world, and therefore the, the fake world should be shaped to meet one's own socio-political cultural preferences, that to me is absurd because it's all made up. Like a couple of years ago when the, when the um, it was in 2020, it happened to be that Paizo released a, an adventure path wherein the, player, the PCs were basically police officers. And it happened to come out in, I think it was like mid-2020, right when they're all the, yes, exactly. <laughs> and Paizo just like, they bent, they contorted themselves into all kinds of positions, like apologizing and self-flagellation over, oh, we the hurt your feelings. I'm like, it's all freaking made up. All of it made up. I, I, can, I can be like, listen, if you want to use your game to reflect your if you want to say, I would rather things in the real world to be like this, so I'm going to pretend they're like that in my fake world, and that makes you happy, that's fine. If there's some company that produces things that, that push that, uh, that's fine. If I like it, I'll buy it. If I don't, I won't. But it's kind of creepy and a little totalitarian, the idea that, and on one hand, I can see, because again, you're, 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 you're glomming off of and piggybacking off their IP, but the idea that they're going to play Kingmaker by saying yeah. this is this is this is socially acceptable within gaming, that is. And I can see I can see why they bought them because obviously we've had these kind of this you know the alt TSR the TSR that isn't the TSR and they keep changing the name and the people oh, who yeah. these, on these these dodgy versions of Star <laughs> yeah. Frontiers and you hear these things about what's in those games you're like that stuff is not okay. Now, hopefully, you think that stuff is so not okay. I'm not going to go in. If you want to look it up, you can find it. On I think the marketplace will 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 do its job. And but and unfortunately, there are some people that want that. Now, I yeah. don't blame Wizards of the Coast thing, and we do not want anyone taking right. our stuff and releasing that, and us having no say in it. But obviously, where do you draw the line at? Well, that's totally out of order, and we just want to say no. You can't sell that. To then, yeah, we want you to tweak this because we're not happy that because I went sorry. We don't give racial bonuses for things anymore because we think that's not okay. If orcs want to be really clever, they can be really clever. That's fine. Now, you know, does that matter? I mean, that's still an optional rule, man. But what if? Let me ask you this: What if you're putting out a setting that, I mean, there there are certain things about your like orcs in in uh, Lord of the Rings because of their origin and Urukai because of their origin like that that shapes yeah. what they I, are. I, I want orcs and so to be what, stronger. What if you have a setting that's that's that, that doesn't bother me. I want orcs huh? to be stronger and dwarves to be tougher no. and elves to be I don't know more obnoxious. Uh, well, like I, I had, I think I've mentioned this too. I've toyed around with a, a homebrew setting wherein elves are not playable. Elves are not a playable race, species, background, whatever you want to call it. Elves are not playable because the elves are not evil overlords, but the aloof and alien yeah. overlords. Because they are essentially immortal, they see everything differently, and no one is as superior as they are, period. Um, so is that, wait a minute, is, would that be, if I wanted to publish something like that, and would, would someone come in and say, mm, no, that's problematic. Yeah. Like, come on. That's and I, I do, I agree with you. I agree with you. It's like the, the problem is 
the the extremes it would seem are are easy to recognize but but where in the gray area does the personal preference just personal preference of someone who's their job it, it is at Watsi to say this is okay or this is not okay like i personally like in in my 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 real world job we are banging our heads against the wall over uh, certain social media platforms <laughs> not ex- not not allowing us to promote our posts and other things because they say that they're quote unquote political. And I'm like, uh, it's on this day in American history. It's just a simple factual <laughs> statement. This happened, and Facebook's like, no, I'm sorry, that's that's problematic. Uh, I'm like, f you. It's Washington crossing the Delaware. It's just Washington cross. So that's where I yeah. I'm with you. I have this issue. It's like it's this kind of this kind of creeping. Um, preemptive censorship. I can totally see why Wizards of the Coast needs something in to allow that, but who's drawing the line? Well, then they Wizards of the Coast are drawing the line. Yeah, but then it's going to get yeah. You know, are people are people going to you know what happens if people spend a year working on something? You know, blood, sweat, and tears, and they release yeah. it. Wizards of the Coast go nope. Or how yeah. much is it? Much like like overbearing regulations. You know, and like I remember years ago, my dad wanted to build an extension to his garage. And when he on his own land, uh, and when he realized like all the headaches that he would have to go through with his town council to get the plans okayed to add one garage bay, he said, screw it, I'm not going to do it. So you wonder like how much of a headache you wonder if Watsi is even if that again, if this is true, how much of a headache would they be potentially creating for themselves where you have creator or, or would it just end up being having a chilling effect? where the people who are going to produce things that they know are in line with what Watsi likes, that's yeah, all you're going to see for D&D. And D&D is going to become, creative-wise, very one note because it sings the same tune. I suspect that is probably in there, but I also think that yeah. they would not have the manpower to actually police everything. I mean, you know, I, I suspect that... I think they'd be much more likely they'd have to wait for someone to write to them and say, I've bought this thing and it's got this in it. And this is, I don't think this is, and then maybe they react that way. I, I can't see them being able to police the amount of stuff. But the other thing that happen is people yeah. just be put off straight out from even producing for it. And we yeah. end up with a situation of fourth edition where people move on to other things. Um, the other thing I didn't realize you can talk about that. The other thing I was going to talk about is that there is this, and this is the one I don't believe. We don't know. But maybe it's true, because again, we haven't seen it. But one of the things supposedly is stuff you write under OGL 1.1 becomes essentially the IP of Wizard of the Coast. So if you create some amazing fantasy world or you create new characters or rate whatever you create, you don't own that. That was in the uh that was in the uh the 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 leak. Yeah. Now I the really simple reason I don't believe that is very it's a very simple reason. If Wizards of the Coast actually put that in, no one is going to produce, or loads less people. Like, you know, like I said earlier about um, Weiss and Hickman, again, doing this whole new setting for 5e using yeah. the OGL. There's no, there's no way they would do that because they know that that whole IP goes to Wizards of the Coast. No one would do that. Loads of people would. I mean, yeah. some people would go, well, I'm just knocking this out. It's rubbish. I don't really care. It's fine. I can just do it. Um and what would work, like we've seen, like, you know, the Hellboy role-playing game released 4.5a, presumably using the OGL. What would happen there then? Wizard of the Coast can't own that. That's a licensed game. I will never underestimate the potential for people's stupidity <laughs> yeah. or hubris 
I will also never underestimate the possibility or the, the potential for people to misunderstand or for things to be poorly uh, poorly spoken. So I don't know. Uh, what, we, what we do know, and I'm going to put a link to this D&D Beyond thing that was published on 21 December of last year, just a few weeks ago. I'll put that in the notes. Um, and I'll find a link to this leak. I'll put that there too. And then as this clarifies, hopefully this becomes a little clearer than mud soon, uh, we can follow up and see what else. And on Wednesday, the 11th of January, Modifius has stated that they are going to release with drive-through their uh, community developer, whatever it's called, program to be used with their SRD. So we'll have something to compare against this uh, and see how they handle it. I'm, I'm really fascinated for personal and for community purposes. I'm really interested in, in what, that, uh, yeah. what that looks like. I will not conjecture, although I have some... I have some guesses at this point. It's not out of the realms of possibility that Wizards of the Coast leaked this to see what people would and wouldn't be okay with so that they can backpedal and yeah. release the real version with, oh, that was, that was an old, uh, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, That's what you call a policy balloon. You know, you float it up, you see who shoots at it. Yeah, it's one of those things like, well, there's, there's a lot of people that have basically already quit 5e. I think, again, it is worth pointing out that, that I, uh, yeah. we, I don't know this, I'm, I'm guessing, but I imagine the amount of people who are actually posting online about how outrageous this all is, is probably yeah. like 0.01% of the amount of people that actually play 5e across the whole world in all its different ways you can play it now. And the vast majority of people yeah. have no idea what the OGL even is. Um, and I think that's the difference. Like, you know, 3.5, it was massive. D&D was huge. And 4E helped sort of killed it off a bit. But 5th oh, yeah. edition is way, I, I guess, I don't know this for sure. Well, as far just, as I know, 5th edition is way, way bigger than that. You know, all these people who watch Critical Role or are going to go and watch the D&D film have, probably have no idea what the OGL is. And so therefore, it's not going to affect them. No, and, and you know what also, and I'll, I'll, this is my last comment. I, I think that maybe... Because from what I understand, the guy who's in charge of, or one of the, at least the executives at Watson yeah. now came from Microsoft, yeah. came from their gaming division. And so maybe he views the, the, the crop of people who are playing D&D as people who are like, well, they, they're, if they didn't come from the video game world, then they are familiar with it. They're of that. And so they're used to you know, buying lots of things from one source. They're used to paying for lots of things online online maybe that's how they're going to monetize players more is they're going to make more stuff available yeah. through subscriptions online i have no idea and maybe they're they're expecting that that chunk of people this new wave of gamers like the 20 somethings and early 30 somethings who know nothing but 5e maybe they're guessing that those people won't bat an eyelash and they'll be fine with it and the grouchy old grognards like like you and me um you know will uh We'll we'll bite our thumb and and but whatever. But of course we've I've already left the D and D ship. I don't care. I mean I care because it is a call it like a a greater gaming community issue. But it actually doesn't affect me directly because one I know this is all made up and I can just make up other stuff. And two I own the physical book, so if ever I want to go back and play one e, the Watsi police can't show up and you know finger wag at me. And tell me that I can't play orcs the way I want to yeah. play orcs. I, mean, I couldn't I, care I really less. hope that the really bad stuff people are saying is in the leak, isn't in the prop pros. Yeah. But to be honest, I think the really bad stuff, if it is in there, it will backfire on, 
on Watsy anyway. So then spectacularly, uh, and there'll you know it'll be another fourth edition. We'll have to wait till seventy before they fix it. Um, or maybe actually it won't. They'll still make a ton of money anyway. <laughs> no, you know what? Or Modiphius will step into the gap, and all of a sudden we'll be on the wavefront of a whole new uh, the the second renaissance in in uh, in early twenty first century gaming, where Modiphius becomes. That's what I'm hoping for. Thanks as always for listening. We recorded that on the 9th of January. Here it is now, the 10th of January. It's publishing on the 11th of January, and who knows what other information is going to come out. We will do a follow-up episode, perhaps even as early as the 18th of January, as more things come out. Uh, That is facts, evidence, and also different perspectives um, about this issue. So, There is a link to join our Discord, and if you're interested in joining the discussion, not the argument, the discussion, uh, find us there. We would love to to kick around some ideas with you. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for listening. You can visit our show's homepage at anchor.fm slash fluff and crunch that's f-l-u-f-f-n-c-r-u-n-c-h we would really appreciate feedback and reviews on whatever podcasting platform you're listening to this on thanks so much